Like it's the summer of 1999, Squeezer. That was good. Thank you. My Ish is in the house. Maddie Margs is in the house. We are starting a party. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a sleepy boy. Uh huh. Got two beers in the mug already. I'm filling the third. You sound a little tinny to me. Do I? I sound tinny. I mean, this is my mic. It's the oh. goddamn fucking Izzy fucking with my goddamn presets. Yeah, something's, uh, you didn't even sound like that when we were just, uh, chit-chat and, uh, the one-two one. Hold on, let me, is, is, is it better now? That's better. Uh, it was probably over the music. Something's wrong. Uh, you talk. Uh, I'm looking at the board really quick. Uh, uh, this is, I was not prepared for this. Um, <clears throat> anywho, how's everyone doing? Good. Um, what's in the news today? I was, uh, reading up on stuff from 1999, so I'm not quite sure what's happening in 2022, so I'm just gonna Google 2022 news. I'm sure it's all good here. Let's see. Tennis. Something about football. Okay, do I sound better? Yeah. It's good? (laughs) All right. Hello, everybody. Yeah, as he just jumps on the fucking audio board now and just starts fucking with my motherfucking presets. I'll build you a little box. Thank you. To put uh, put over it. Or you put the cat inside, one or the other. Uh, we call her Schrodinger. Ah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Took you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? Uh, uh, we- I'm, I'm good, but Sorry. how do you know if she's even in there? What? Okay, don't prove that you got uh, it. Yeah. You, you didn't right. get it right away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we are. I was late. We were watching Nope, and it was really good. I'm sorry, Squeezer. Oh, we didn't was get, it good? We didn't even get to finish it. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You know, you go finish. I'll go back on my bike and. No, it was good. Sp- it was good. Um, it's very like. I get what people are like. That's not great, but it keeps you in your seat, and I think it is great. It did keep me in my seat. Awesome sauce. Um, was it like? Would I like it, or would I be a scaredy pants? Oh, you'd like it. It's not scary at all. Okay, good. Yeah. I don't like. I don't like being scared. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun, and uh, I suggest watching it so far. And uh, what about She Hulk episode two, Squeezer? Did you watch it? I did. It's good. It was quick. It, it was fucking quick. It, you know what? It did feel. Qu- was it actually quick, or did it just? Is it just paced and written really well that it? It's moves? both. It's twenty some minutes. Apparently, um, what we saw the pilot that was taken, uh, the footage of all the Hulk stuff with her learning she was a Hulk and training came from later in the season it was crammed into the pilot so i think um take all that and put put whatever was in part one not of that in part two together and that was the true pilot but you know i don't don't know they figured it out it worked i i think it worked i think like 
like I said, it's very, ugh, I don't want to sound like uh, some kind of executive, but it's snappy, you know? Like, it, it's paced really well. It does not feel, um, like, I don't know, I felt like you you really liked Ms. Marvel, and I did, I do too, but mm. it it felt much slower than this. I don't know why. Just the the pacing for the and and there was like no action sequences whatsoever. Yeah, and it didn't need them. I, I feel like that's they've that's not the character. That's not the story that they're telling. I mean, I'm sure we'll get them, but if. Uh, they don't have to rely on all the gimmicks and stuff like they did in the first episode to get your attention. That's true. That's true. Uh, I like them both. I like them both. I like. Uh, mm-hmm. There's another show I really, really I finished and I really love, and I'm gonna. I'm. Is it uh, only murders in the building? Only murders in the building. We did we talk about that? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh, let me see. Go back. The last couple. No, did we talk about the season finale? I think we did. We did. Uh, no, because I didn't. Well, I wait. Did we? I think so. See, because we. But yes, we did because we said that I would forget by the time I actually get to it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Nope is is good so far. We have about a half hour left in the movie. We spent an ungodly amount of money at uh, Spirit Halloween tonight. Oh. Damn it! You said you were gonna go. Any see anything? Well, clearly you saw something fun if you spent an ungodly amount of money. Yeah, I don't. It's all celebrating stuff that your scaredy points uh, pants boy is not interested in. Like uh, we bought Michael Myers Halloween like hanging lights. Oh, that's cool. And we bought uh, a bunch of killer clown stuff, a bunch of trick or treat stuff. Sam, little Sammy. Oh, you never saw Trick or Treat, right? Uh, no, God, no, <laughs> God. hell no. It's not scary at all. Yeah, it is. Mm. Killer clowns from outer space. Uh, no, like now, no. But no. when I initially saw it in like 2007, yeah, it was fucking terrifying. Yeah, well, when I saw it in 1988. I was terrified. But yeah, I was probably like, I was probably like 90. Four ninety five. I was probably like eleven or twelve when I saw it. And yeah, I, 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 I can't little... describe. And I talked about it last week. What a big part of my childhood killer clowns were because they, they were living rent free in my head. I know that's a term from modern times, but they were living rent free in my head for years. Years. Uh, I will never forget the killer clowns from outer space. And, and now that uh, Enchantress has helped me embrace them more, like like love them, and I watched the movie over and over to to find the humor in it. Mm-hmm. Not that it scared the pants off of me as a kid, and I, it's all I knew. Like everyone would be at horror movies, and like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh yeah, my mom watched Halloween too, but Halloween wasn't scary <laughs> at all. Killer Clowns from Outer Space was fucking scary. Oh, it was a good. Uh, so you're coping with it. Oh, I've for years I've coped with. It. I've learned yeah. to love it. Well, it's glad I'm glad to see that you're coping with one of your one of your problems. What's my other one? Alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've got a giant beer here. I'm but, coping with yeah. it. You're coping. You stock up. Yeah. Um. So we got we got that. Uh. Just some just knickknacks and doodads. I got a giant. Any anything giant and oversized? Yes. Unnecessarily a big. Huge inflatable pumpkin archway. 
Oh, nice. To to compliment my yard. Uh, I I so want to bring the girls by, but I know they'll be terrified. And it's really they'll not never come back for Christmas. Yeah. No, they're 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 scared of their shadow. They take after their father. Well, it, it was a fun trip to Spirit Halloween. I cu- I couldn't turn the damn shower head on to rinse their hair because it was scary. Hmm. Yeah. We had uh, Bravo Italian cucina for dinner. Oh. And and tonight? Yeah. And you're awake. Barely. I said I'm a sleepy boy. <laughs> you're gonna... I had a couple peronis. That's not what they call them in Italy. No, what they, is it? I, they I call like it a, like, like a national or something like that. Oh, okay. Over there. What's Peroni even translate to? Peroni's a, a like Budweiser. Over there. But I mean, like translated into like. I think it's a name. Actually, like, is it like swill? Is it Italian for swill no, no, water? No, they don't have swill. Over, Peroni's not bad. No, but over I think it's great. I love it. But over there, they probably like ugh. No, they all drink it. It's oh, their good. it's their Budweiser. It's like their Miller Lite over there. Well, they don't well, have that's light not beer. Great. They don't have light beer in Europe, other than Ireland, I think. Like you yeah. can't get a light beer, like and all the national beer is really good, especially in fucking Barcelona. The well, that's because you don't really need light beer because over there you you know you will have a beer, and you're good. You don't buy a thirty rack and then, you know crush it sitting on your tailgate on your lunch break. And fucking hey, that's America, baby. <laughs> I I love when I go to the beer distributor and the looks I get, like, it's like okay, that's a hundred and forty dollars, and I have like two and a half cases. Don't give me like, your fucking shit. Well, you yeah, but you buy pallets, <laughs> but like, and the looks I get, and, and the looks like, you oh, get. I want to come to your party. I'm like, you're not invited. It's a party of one, pal. Yeah. <laughs> But like I, I spend like 150 bucks and I have like two and a half cases on my little wagon, and then the next guy comes up and it's like 25 dollars and he's got like four, like 30 racks of Genesee, like. I'm like, oh, we are, but you're yeah. gonna drink yours a lot faster than mine. You're using sir. a little hyperbole there. You can't get that 25 dollars can't get you a 30 rack anything anymore, really. No, not anymore. But it's worth it. <laughs> Talking value. No. Yeah. Some, I got, I got, they got to get some of those salsa they have there. It looks good. Oh, uh, I always buy the snacks at the beer distributor. They're the best snacks. Oh, yeah. I know. I was fed them as a child. <laughs> uh, they have all sorts of flavored peanuts at ours. Mm-hmm. I really like our beer distributor now that they don't, they're open past 6 p.m. <laughs> a couple of uh, Indian fellows mm-hmm. bought it from India, not Native American. Uh- uh, and uh, they like well, me. Well, I, I assume that's what you meant because, you know, I'm not a scathing racist. Right. So um, they like me because I come in and drop four to $500 a time every time I'm in there. I get free <laughs> pint glasses even though I don't want them. They insist I take them. They're trying to order more. <laughs> You'll buy it, then we order. Sorry, I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm doing I'm fully going short circuit, too, here on the show. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, man. You bought you I'm like, here's my here's my personal cell phone. I answer it twenty four <laughs> hours a day. You call me and let me know when you have any same summer and I'll come buy it. 
Uh, look, you keep paying to put his kids through college and pay off his mortgage. You can make as many inappropriate. Uh, uh, you think he goes uh, all impersonations d- as you want? <laughs> all Dave Chappelle white impersonation uh, on me. He goes, oh, my God, the guy who spends $600 on summer ale was like, Hey, pal, if you get a, a whole pallet, I'll buy it all. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd, he'd add a little slur in there, just assuming you're drunk all the time. Well, I mean, well, I'm only somewhat drunk when I'm I'm not drunk. I'm still good to drive, Squeezer. God, well, who are you, my I, mother? I mean, you're a big fancy boss. You should have your own driver. Uh, that's right. No, no you one, don't. No one drives as fast as I want them to, so. That is, yeah. No, you know what? You should have your own driver. Listen. Just, just to preserve we've you. We've all established that I might not be everyone's favorite driver, but if you need a wheelman, if you're robbing a bank, mm-hmm. there's only one person in the building you're going to call. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Because yeah. <laughs> one way or the other, we're dead. Right. So. <laughs> And I'm laying in the back. You shot me, Larry. <laughs> oh, good call. Call back to Quentin Tarantino's. Oh, and right back to uh, She-Hulk. Oh, yeah. Tim Roth's back as the abomination. Yeah. That was great to see. Yeah. It was funny, too. It was good. I always, I always like Who Tim doesn't Roth. like Tim Roth? Quentin does, too. He plays fucking pumpkin. Everything. Yeah. Well, no, he plays Pumpkin in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. He was also using Four Rooms. Yeah. Well, that movie sucked. Yeah, but still. I, I mean, watched the shit like... out of it as a kid. I was, like, obsessed because I'm like, oh, four directors, Madonna. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Same. It's the same. Like, it's bad. you thought you were supposed to like it, and yeah. you're like, oh, I get it. They're just fucking around. On the other hand, Grindhouse, I actually do like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it. In the, I was one of the few who got to see it in the theater as it was in, intended. Both movies together with all the trailers in between, until nice. Harvey the fucking rapist Weinstein got all scared and separated them and released them as uh. movies. Didn't it, people want events? Not then. I think they would have done better now with it than they did back uh-huh. then. All right. Yeah. It, it was not doing good. And you know what? At the time when I saw it in the theater, I saw it with Tommy and Sean James. And they're like, oh, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved um, Planet Terror almost as much as I love Death Proof. But now that like I go back and watch Death Proof, I fucking mm-hmm. love Death Proof. Like, Tarantino's movies just get better with each watch. Mm-hmm. And Death Proof is one. Like we were talking, and Chance and I were talking tonight. She did not like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when we get, we saw it in the theater. We came out. I was like, "That was fucking amazing!" And she's like, "That was fucking three hours of Quentin sucking his own dick." And I'm like, "I was there for <laughs> yeah, every yeah. second." And I would have done it for him, right? <laughs> um, and then she saw it the second time, and she's like, "All right, I liked it. That's that's way better." She wasn't. She's not on my level yet. Where I'm like, "That's the best movie I've ever seen." And I'm still there. I still think that is the that is the pinnacle of filmmaking in our lifetime. So far. He's yet to make his 10th movie. 
Guy just keeps getting fucking better. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And then I watched Wolf of Wall Street last night. Fucking Scorsese, man. How about a guy who just keeps getting better? I mean, The Irishman was, I watched it, I liked it, but I'm not like, I got to watch Irishman again. But I'm like, I'll watch Wolf of Wall Street because we, we watched, we finished something that I'm going to talk about at the end of the show. Like my new, like this might top Stranger Things season four as my favorite show of the summer. That's saying a lot, Squeezer. Wait, what's that? I got to talk about it at the end. You know, I'll make, oh, I'll make oh, it my gotcha. first pick. I, I'll swap. I was like, did I miss picks. something? I'll make it my first pick. Oh, thanks. Ooh, don't keep me hanging. Or maybe that's a way to keep people through the whole show. Yeah, yeah, that's going to work. Yeah, you're right. I'll make it my first pick. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that, should we get into it? We're talking 99. And you know what? We didn't pick. And if you look at our picture, I pulled from it. None of us are talking Woodstock 99. Um, it'll it'll come up in my first pick. Um, yeah, it'll probably not come up in any of my picks because I mean, I watched it on pay per view because it was live on pay per view. It wasn't yeah. like something you could watch on YouTube. But since we had free pay per view at the time, I was really into Woodstock '94. I even had the CDs. Uh, Woodstock '99, I was into and it was cool, but. I had more of a life at that point. So I was working. I knew a guy that was there, the coworker that was there uh, when I was working my little summer camp gig. Uh, and he came back and he's like, that was fucking insane. Um, all right. So here, here's my first pick from summer of 1999. And this is a minute clip. I want you to listen and take it all in. So that was a one-minute teaser for the TV show Paper Girl, Squeezer on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Based on Brian K. Vaughn's uh, comic book. Uh, and if you're thinking similarities between Stranger Things, Kids on Bikes, 1988, using realistic walkie-talkies. This was published, the first issue was published a full year almost before Stranger Things season one. Now the final issue, the final issue, was published uh, in July of 2019, um, and that's when they announced the television adaptation. And goddamn, is that television adaptation fucking good? Fuck, it is so good. Uh, Stephanie Folsom is the showrunner and creator of the series. She. She's work. Uh, you might know her best from her work on St- Toy Story Four, Squeezer, and Thor Ragnarok. Oh, I like both those movies a lot. Right. Uh, she's a consulting producer 
for Lord of the Rings, the television uh, series, for which she okay. wrote the first well, two episodes. We'll see tomorrow. Right. And I'm very, you know what? I'm excited for that now. Because Paper Girls, Squeezer, I was just blown away by how good Paper Girls were. Now, see, okay, Stranger Things, I was way more invested in. I would would have killed someone to see Stranger Things, and I was so excited to watch it. And Fuck, I could have given you a list of names. Yeah. Now, Paper Girls, like, I was like, oh, I want to watch this. I'm excited to see it because, you know, I knew the book was good. Uh, Enchantress was reading the book. You know, she's she's read the f- early issues. Uh, I was really excited for for this. And fucking goddamn, man. It, she knocked it out of the park. This woman is talented. She was a uh, writer on Star Wars Resistance, which I didn't watch. It's a 3D cartoon. Uh, yeah, it's the I tried getting that's the kids one, I think, right? I don't know. Like, it's more geared towards a younger... Is that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, it follows Kazuto, Zona, and New Republic pilot is recruited by the Resistance to spy on a growing threat of the First Order shortly before and during the events of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I think it's geared at little... Uh, I think, I think did I try getting them to watch Every single Star that Wars one? ever is geared at little kids, Squeezer. What's that? Every single Star Wars ever is geared at little kids. No, Clone Wars is geared towards uh, grown men that still act like little kids. (laughs) She wrote the story for Thor Ragnarok, but due to WGA regulations, she's denied a writing credit. She's the co-writer of Toy Story 4. She wrote writer and consulting producer for Lord of the Rings Ring of Power. She's a showrunner, writer, and executive producer. For Paper Girls. And, you know, Paper Girls, a good chunk of the uh, show, takes place starting on July 4th, 1999, Squeezer. So, it fits in the summer of 1999. Uh, Nice. But I'm talking about another comic book uh, from 1999, Squeezer. I wanted to promote Paper Girls because it's so fucking good, and I think you all should watch it so that Amazon gives it a second season because it's set up for a second season. So, okay. uh, one of my favorite comic book writers is Brian Azzarello. And I remember in March, we were at Comic Masters, me and Joe Orkin, my buddy from high school. And he was telling us about Brian Azzarello's new book he was writing for, I believe, the, he, he was pretty sure it was Vertigo at the time. He's like, it's either going to be a DC release or Vertigo. He goes, but the way the story sounds, it's going to be Vertigo. And I have a few posters, but there's no company credit on it yet. Um, And it came from DC, but he said it could be Vertigo too. You know what I mean? Because it's the same Mm -hmm. company. Vertigo is just where the artists own, like the more adult stories and the artists own uh, the shit. So um, it's... So Azarello did... um, Let's see. What's a book? He did that you would all know. He did the solo Joker book back in 2008. The the one, um, if you saw the comic, you, the, the the cover, you'd know it. Uh, it's a it's like an origin story. They kind of like used it for the Joker standalone movie. Hold on, squeeze. I'll send you a picture of the cover. 
It's a great book if you haven't read the standalone Brian Azarello Joker book. You absolutely should get. Oh, God damn it! Why doesn't it work like this? Okay, drag and drop. There you go. All right, that's the comic book I'm talking about. Oh yes, yeah. So great book, Azarello's Dark Knight Three with Frank Mella, Frank Miller. Um, he's a fucking all star. He he's written Superman, Wonder Woman, Wow. Watchmen books. He did some New 52 stuff. He's worked in Wildstorm. Uh, he's worked in Spider-Man, uh, Aftershock. He's worked in Image comic books. The guy's been around. But one of his favorite books of mine was his 100 Bullets book, which it came out in June of 2000. I'm sorry, 1999. And we bought these issues like fucking crazy. Cause like you couldn't, there was a hundred issues total and you're waiting a monthly, like every month to get it. So in June, like we only had three issues before we went back to school squeezer. <laughs> and I just remember like Joe, we, we get fucking stoned out of our mind. I'm just crazy. Now we're, we're talking grad years and we're talking about like getting high. I didn't really drink a whole lot in high school. Oh Yeah. I did a little bit, but I, I smoked tons of weed. See, I, I didn't until like my senior year, end of junior, senior year, and then I started really trying to make up for it in that last Oh no. Last year. No, no. This whole Oof. summer I was smoking tons of weed. And I was working at KB Toys, which I'll talk about later. And I so I you know, I had money. And I remember um like when I started in uh, the the Whitehall Mall was still kind of open squeezer because when I started at KB Toys in uh, October of '98, we one of our first jobs they sent me across the street to like destroy the KB Toys in the Whitehall Mall. We had to, like pack up all the stock and take it to our store, mm-hmm. and we took all like the pegboards and we this guy John, one of my managers, was a huge wrestling fan. We like jumped off the fucking shelves and threw them. As you should. Yeah. So um, we'd go, like Joe would, I couldn't drive. I was having seizures. So I couldn't, you can't, you have to wait like six months after a seizure to drive. Mm-hmm. So my dad would like either take me to work or sometimes Joe would pick me up and we'd go to Comic Masters across the street and get books. And I remember we were all like, we'd talk to Dominic constantly about 100 Bullets. Like, oh my God, this is the fucking, this book's going to be huge. We'd cast the movie, you know. We talk about if it was a video game, which I think it did become. Yes. No, it was canceled. No. They never made it, but it was. It was supposed to be a game. It was supposed to be a, a TV show, and it was supposed to be a movie, and none of it ever happened. Now I'm gonna read you the plot off Wikipedia because there's like to explain it would draw us into a um, squeezer. Uh, MacGyver plot hole. Yes, go for it. But I'm gonna. That's why I'm reading it. So go get another beer. The core concept of a hundred bullets is based on a question of people willing to act on the desire of violent revenge if given the means, opportunity, and reasonable chance to succeed. Many of the issues, first issues, involve around a mysterious agent Graves approaching someone who has been a victim of a terrible wrong. 
Graves gives them an opportunity to take revenge, providing them a handgun, 100 bullets, a documentation about the primary targets responsible for their responsible for their woes. He informs them the candidate, the bullet, and the bullets are completely untraceable by any law enforcement and investigation. And as soon as they're found in any crime scene, investigation will immediately cease. Although all the revenge murders enabled by Agent Graves are presented as justifiable, the candidates are neither rewarded nor punished for accepting the offer, other than their own personal satisfaction. Several people decline, but others who accept find varied success or failure. The attaché and Graves games are later revealed to only be a minor part of a much broader story. Agent Graves is a leader of a group known as the Minutemen, a group of several men plus one agent who serve as the enforcers and police of a clandestine organization known as the Trust. The Trust was originally formed by the heads of 13 powerful European families who controlled much of the old world's combined wealth and industry. The Trust made an offer to the kings of Europe by which they would leave the continent and con- considerable influence and holdings in exchange for complete autonomy and in still unclaimed portion of the new world. When England ignored this proposition and uh, colonialized Roanoke Island late in the 16th century, the Minutemen were formed. The original Minutemen, seven vicious killers, eradicated the colony and all of its inhabitants, leaving behind only the cryptic message Croatoa as a warning. Reclaiming the land for, tr- for the trust, since this time, the Minutemen's charge has been to protect the 13 houses of the trust, serving as a force against outside threats and more frequently as police of the internal conflicts between trust families themselves. The group's interactions are often facilitated by a person holding the title warlord for the trust, who serves as the house's liaison to the Minutemen. Sometime in the late 20th century, the Minutemen were betrayed by the trust and disbanded after Agent Graves refused to uh, reenact the greatest crime in the history of mankind, the re-expansion of the borders of the trust. The Minutemen retaliated with the assassination of a hooded figure in Atlantic City, and they were sent into hiding. Most of the Minutemen of the time were deactivated by Graves. These former Minutemen had memories repressed for their own protection and returned to their normal lives. These events occurred prior, presumably some years, to the beginning of A Hundred Bullets. As the story plays out, many of those who are offered a chance for vengeance by Graves are revealed to have been people wronged by the trust or its agents, and six are revealed to have been Minutemen at the time of the events of Atlantic City. There's more, but that's about all you need to know. Okay, so, damn. It's fucking good. It, it makes me want to read it. You should. There's an omnibus. Not. It's only 100 issues. Hmm. Definitely good. Uh, there's an omnibus? Oh, yeah. There's definitely collections, for sure. It's fucking DC. Of course there's an omnibus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Eduardo Risso was the artist on this, and he does fucking great work. Dave Johnson, I, I, Clem Robbins lettering, Grant Gullish, and uh, Patricia Mulvihill are colorists. I get, I, I see that it's been bounced around a couple of times. How has this not been developed? Right? Well, because clearly sounds... Warner Brothers is a goddamn fucking disaster. <laughs> <clears throat> shelving Batgirl and having funeral fucking they 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 fucking they're passed on Bruce Timm's fucking new Batman cartoon. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? The stupidest thing Warner I mean Warner Brothers, come on. They couldn't they they, they could fuck up a yeah. wet dream. Uh, but goddamn. It's a shame it's under it's 
under Vertigo in DC. Well, I I don't know the contract uh, Brian Azzarello has with some Vertigo uh, creators own their own work, and he might be able to. Um, he might have leverage, just like Neil Gaiman is Vertigo with Sandman, and he has complete, you know, creative control over anything they do with it. That's why it's at Netflix. And by all accounts, I haven't watched it yet, but the Sandman series is fucking incredible. I heard, I know. I'm like, fuck, it's more the... Have you read the books? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Some, like, not, like, through and through, but yeah, I've indulged. Man, when I was in middle school, everyone, everyone in my cl- I want to say everyone, everyone in my group was like, "We have a crush on death." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I'm still so pissed. I don't have my East of West yet. You know, I bitch about it, but it was supposed to be developed for Netflix. I think it's the fucking perfect show for him. Well, uh, hun- I just fucking Hickman. Remember that summer, Joe and I would we played a lot of fucking. Uh, he had a, he got a dream uh, Dreamcast in April from Japan. Ooh, yeah. So, so we get fucking stoned, play House of the Dead too. Nice. And then fucking. Oh wow! I I'd be playing the fishing game. <laughs> we play House of the Dead too. He had some other games. I just remember House of the Dead 2 was the one we played all the time because he had uh, the gun. What was the, one, what was the RPG one that was out for that? Like Crystal something? Uh... We'll talk more about that later. Like KB Toys. Okay. But we'd, we'd order, like, he'd love Papa John's, so we'd order Papa John's. We'd sit in his place, like, smoke tons of weed because he had, like a, like, a loft over his parents' garage. Ooh. So we'd order Papa John's. We'd play uh, Nintendo 64 and, and uh, Dream, Dreamcast, Japanese Dreamcast. We'd get fucking stoned out of our mind. We'd watch South Park. We, Him and I went to see the South Park movie. That came out this summer. Yeah, 99 was a good fucking year. It was a fun year. We'd uh, And we'd we'd read these issues and like cast it in our head and be like, oh, we were like determined this is going to be a movie in like two years. We're like, this is fucking genius. We had no idea where it was going either in the first three issues, by the way. Like, first three issues, we're just laying the groundwork of this Agent Graves coming up and giving, offering these people a chance for, for revenge and their stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, first shot, last call is the first issue. Volume one. Man. Brian Azzarello, great fucking artist. I'm sorry, great writer. Great. Well, he's an artist, but great fucking comic book genius. Hundred Bullets, something uh, not often talked about in the comic book world, but man, this is a good book, and I suggest reading it. And um, I am about halfway through the last Ronin Squeezer. Man, Eastman and Laird came back fucking tough. What a great story! I'm really yeah. loving it. I'm happy. Kale and I are are, are at each other to uh, to. Um, Expand our minds without the use of illicit substances. <laughs> yeah, I'm still confused as to what I remember, like in the spring, because when did it come out? Like April? Last Ronin? Yeah. Uh, no longer. I mean, the, the you mean the omnibus? The omnibus. Like maybe even like June, right? Um. Uh... 
October 2020. So two years ago. No, the whole um, the hardcover. Oh. oh, the hardcover. Let me see if it's it. Because I swear I pre-ordered it. I don't know where. July 5th, 2022. Okay. Yeah, because I just got it. Yeah, I remember like in the like back in like March, I was like, "Oh, I need to get this now, or I'm gonna forget." And maybe I just didn't do it, or I bought it and I forgot. But this is is it's very cool. I love it. Is it is it as gut wrenching as they say? Uh, I won't say. Okay, I'll let you read it. I like it a lot. It is fucking awesome and Eastman and Laird like come on Hollywood like stop making like come back like whoever was in charge of the first Turtles movie because like man does it feel like a spiritual successor to that first movie which was very much inspired more of the comic books than it was anything else mm-hmm. but fucking A is it is it is it a good read and it's like shit man this is this is Turtles dude nice so, um, yeah, we're we're trading on things. He's trying to, you know, I brought some old books in, some of my X Men Adventures books that I've talked about in the show. I brought in X Men twenty ninety nine just to show him the artwork. The first mm-hmm. issues of all the twenty ninety nine books, like in like three pages in, just sold all the twenty ninety nine stories. It only had like four or five uh, pages of story for the twenty ninety nine story that it's selling. So. Punisher twenty ninety nine, Hulk twenty ninety nine, fucking Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine. They're all great. Uh but yeah, Hunter Bullets. Check it out. Man, was that that's so summer of ninety nine for me. Like, oh God. <laughs> Here's Squeeze's first pick. Uh sorry. I did. This, this is the origin story. This is the beginning of Dark Angry Squeezer for no reason whatsoever. Um, yeah, I was just a well-to-do, middle-class, you know, suburban kid. You know, I, I, I was angry at my parents for no reason. Oh, yeah, you know, a ugly divorce, whatever. But, you know, I, I had more going for me than I didn't. I had no reason to complain, but I made sure that, uh, you know, you, you have to, you need conflict, right? That's why you, that's why we play football in sports, because we don't war like we used to, you know. Um, so, yeah, I needed a big bad to fight, and I needed a soundtrack to go with it. And, uh, yeah, new Metal comes along. And in 1999, um, significant other drops, and uh, yeah, we get Nookie. And look, maybe the reason I was so angry was 
you had these awesome riffs, very creative. Uh, Wes Borland is awesome at what he does. And then uh, maybe I was just mad that then uh, Fred Durst writes uh, some stupid-ass lyrics to go over top of it. Like, if, if Limp Biscuit albums were just straight instrumentals, people go, wow. Wow, this is fucking genius. But then you then then you put words to it and you go, "Oh, what the fuck is this?" If you're, you know, an adult. Me, I'm 16. I'm like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Mm-hmm. Um and at the same time, you're like, "Why is this guy acting like a douchebag?" Um cuz I was not in the I almost put forth an effort not to fit into the... I did not want to be that... My whole life, since I got called out in, like, 1994 for wearing a Phoenix Suns shirt, I could... I, I'm terrified of being called a poser ever again. Okay. Therefore, I, I am in nowhere near... Like, I, I did not, you know... The... the, the Skater punk look whatever you want to call it, the, the 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 urban Fred Durst look whatever like, no I I straight away I'll, I'll I'll continue the grunge look if you will I will tie my flannel shirt around my black t shirt and be happy. Um. Yeah, not much has changed. No, no, not much. Just, uh, pant size, you know, I mean, you know, just a little. It got bigger, then smaller, then bigger, then smaller. Um, but, oh, Marty Mags, Limp Bizkit, they were at the top of the world back then. I still listen to them almost daily. And you know what? Here's the thing about 99. It was just fun. You you were allowed to just have fun. Now, you, you tend to overanalyze things too much, I guess, and you worried too much about reviews. And, yeah, they reviewed it back then, but... This, like, crossed over in the mainstream, and it, it was everywhere. And at the same time, it was... You, you didn't care if it might have... Like, maybe now, Ari, if it, like, especially, like, Nookie. Even Wes Borland admits, like, uh, where is this? I have his quote somewhere here. It, uh, it was a 2008 interview. Okay. The music was cool, but I didn't like the lyrics at all. The funny thing is that it, Nookie was actually a working title. When we were in the studio, there was a porn magazine and the word Nookie on the cover. So I was like, this song's called Nookie. Uh, I never thought someone would actually run with it. I suppose it's all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he's just fucking around. And, I mean, the song's awesome. You know, yeah, there's... It makes no sense at all. I mean, I guess most songs don't make any sense. I did it all for the nookie, the nookie, so you could take this cookie and sh- stick it up your ass. Yeah. Uh, okay, now I get or it. Or stick hey. it up your ass uh, if you're on uh, radio edit. Um, there, there's a lot of like some some silly. Lyrics so it's like out. I did it all for the nookie. So you're trying to give me this cookie to congratulate me? You could take it and stick it up your ass. Yeah. So it was about his girlfriend breaking up with him, and it's um. He basically said, why did he put up with all her shit while he, she was cheating on it? And it was because he was still getting laid at the time. So, 
Okay. Yeah. Um. Then you got uh, Rearrange was also on there. It's actually probably my favorite song off the album because it's much more mellow building up until like an epic little like crescendo at the end. Um, uh, uh, and Together Now was the one that uh, just a straight rap one he did with Method Man. And that was, uh, that was not, uh, uh, not not a fan there. And I then like break stuff you, uh, you was like also the, the on there. That was Man? what was that song called? What the Method Man song he did with, with and and together and now. together now. I the like that song. To what? Uh, Joe Joe, my buddy Joe, who I talked about. I went to the store. He hated that song too. I I don't. Well, I don't I don't I don't know. It it feels so out of place on the album and. Uh, I don't know. It was just I like also it. look, and I love, and also Method Man just makes Fred Durst look bad. Like, I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then break stuff um, was the other give me big to break. yeah really single out uh, off of it, uh, which got some. Uh, uh, what's the word I want to say? Uh, it's the bad connotation word. See, I'm using the big word to make up for the other word that I forgot. But it took a bunch of heat because, you know, we're just talking about Woodstock 99 and it was during break stuff when all hell broke loose. Uh, I mean, look, it was honest right there. Who could be the boss? Look up to the cross. Spread in the land of the lost. Standing up on sideways. This is a great beat. This is a good song. It, again, you just said it, though. It's a great beat. I'm dashing all the media strikes. I keep the media dikes. It's reinforcement. Yeah, but Method Man's the fucking man. I, I was yeah. obsessed with him back then in Wu-Tang. And I mean, how, how did you not just walk around school going, shut the fuck up? All the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Off the Big John I haven't heard this song in for 20 fucking years. Really? Uh, I, you know what? I haven't listened to the whole album in a long time. I'm glad we did this show because I was just driving around. And then it led me into other stuff. I was... I was listening to this, and I'm like, and of course you can't listen to Limp Biscuit without putting some corn on. So then I had some corn on, and I'm driving down 100, and I'm like, oh, this fucking. I remember, um, uh, what what came out in uh, 2002? Is that the un uh, Untouchables? What? That's like my favorite album. Uh, that was uh. Yeah, Untouchables. Um, I was listening to that on the way. I'm like, oh, man, I remember. like, Because I, I remember. You were a little like, younger I'm than me. Follow the class. Leader was. Life is Peachy and Follow the Leader were my fucking albums. Yeah. Well, that's fine. They were, they were. I had this T-shirt in middle school that had. It was green and had like three stripes down the front. And it had like three 40-ounce bottles and it said corn on it. <laughs> and I, it was like I wore like a 2XL. Oh yeah, that was the that's the best thing about. Uh, so uh, I look, I I'm not too tooting, but I was trying on like I was going through the closet and like trying on like my, my collection of plaid shirts, 
And they're all like too big on me now. Like I'm like swimming in these things. And she's like, you look ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, but this is how I dressed in high school. <laughs> all right. That's my shirt. Oh, that's sick. So I thought I was the coolest person on the planet with that fucking oh, shirt. Oh, God. That looks like so many shirts. Like, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man. That I wore that. Fu- My parents had no fucking idea what, what it was. <laughs> I also had this one, too. I had too many corn shirts for any one kid, but I like corn. And I still do. I don't. It's not like something I like actively listen to. But. Did it show up? Uh, it's, oh, it's coming. There it is. The red one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. I had them both. I didn't have that. I, 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 a couple of my friends had that one. Both in like, I, I, not 2X, but XL for sure. And I was like, yeah. I looked like a drowned rat in it. <laughs> I could imagine. But yeah, I mean, it, it set the whole, like, uh, uh, the the genre, it was, like, very era, the sound, the look, everything was just very specific, and it, like, perfectly, like, was high school. You know, like, entering and exiting high school, it was, like, this perfect little, like, new metal crossover bubble mm-hmm. that, uh... I got to exist in. And I, it just makes sense that I, I was the way I was. Yeah, you got in a Static X, too. Oh, yeah. I like... I, and then... Uh, yeah, Static X and... System of a Down. I, I was just listening to... Uh, System of a Down just the other day. Yeah, well, we, we all still That's like System of a Down. great. Um... But yeah, like the new metal, uh, rap metal, rap rock. Oh my god! Well, the, I don't think Adrian and I, your Adrian and I, used to drive around on a burn ride. We'd go up to like Northern Lehigh area, yeah, uh-huh. listening to Tool, and just fucking getting wrecked and like hitting up that Burger King there by that new Taco Bell. But it, the Burger King was always there. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And we fuck man. We'd get so stoned and listen to fucking Tool. Because <laughs> those songs were... I mean, amazing. I still love Tool, man. Shit, sure, yeah. It was right after that album, like... Where's that fucking... I know the pieces fit, because I'm... Uh, fucking... I don't even know. <laughs> um, singles, let's see. Managing James Keenan is a genius. That was that was two thousand one, I think, right? Yeah, that makes sense. That was yeah. exactly when that was. Because it was yeah, probably when, uh, that was Lateralis. Yes, that came out. And what was the song? Schism. That was Schism. Schism, yeah. I know the piece. Yeah, I remember just sitting in the dark and listening to it. We would listen to that whole album from tip to tail in his car, just fucking stoned out of our fucking minds driving. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't driving. He was we had fun. Okay. Yeah. But 
as AJ. Glad you're safe. Yeah. All right. Uh, my second pick. Right. <laughs> Man. Yeah, we're really dogging it. Now, even toy mavens have to sleep sometimes, right? Wrong. No naps allowed on May 3rd because one minute past midnight, the Brandon Toys R Us store would open its doors. The occasion? The debut of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace Toy Line. Despite the sign out front, there were multiple toy items going on sale. The employees were getting ready for the legions of figure-starred rebels outside. Battle droids had to be assembled, end caps had to be accessorized, and boxes and boxes of figures and toys had to find their place. Even yours truly pitched in. But would everything be set to blast the doors open at 12.01 a.m.? Hey, we're talking Toys R Us here. Outside, the crowd knew what they wanted. Star Wars figures. You gotta have them, they're coming out. I'm here for the, smart, the smiling Darth Maul. Let's go, I'm, I'm mainly looking for the figures. That's, so I, don't, you know, I think there'll be plenty of those to go around. Darth Maul, I wanna check out Darth Maul. He's, he's gonna be the new king. The line stretched down the sidewalk. Every Jedi was anxious for their first glimpse at the new characters and especially the inflatable rafts. A few shared their battle strategies. I plan to like elbow people out of the way. Is that you clapping? No, that was that was must have been someone there. KB Toys Generals. I'm looking to see if the morning call wrote anything about Star Wars. Uh, the the fucking like pop up store we we made and. All I could find it was like a robbery of the Toy Works on 191. <laughs> Fans line up for new Star Wars toys. Let me see A1. So, man, fucking... This I remember the Star Wars and me. So we set up in like a a, um, a concession stand. We set up a toy stand, and I would sell and a register, and I would sell fucking Star Wars toys in the movie theater across the parking lot. Something they never did before, and like it's fucking genius. I mean, I was part of history, and it was me. I was like the main one who worked it because no one else wanted to do it. And I was so excited <laughs> to do it. And then, like, the other thing I remember was nine nine ninety nine, the release of Dreamcast. <laughs> we had a Dreamcast in the store, too, and I just played it all day. Here's uh, Star Wars groupies swoop down on stores to scoop up merchandise. This is from May 4th, 1999, of course. There were more <laughs> than 160 of them in front of Toys R Us in Whitehall Township just before midnight Sunday. Uh, with them was Dance Darth Vader armed with menacing looking lightsaber. Um, I'm trying to find out. The event ended at Toys R Us at 9.30 p.m. Monday, three and a half shifts, 60 employees, and 21 and a half hours later. While there was a run on new Star Wars items, there was plenty of stock delivered from company. Let me go to A7 here. Company distribution sites. Sales manager... Ken Martin said, but the longest shopping day in Toys R Us history began as the longest Whitehall customers won on a frenzied late night shopping spree, filling carts with talking action figures, lightsabers, trade federation, droid starfighters. 
The store didn't release sales or customer figures. Let's see if it talks about toys, KB toys. They didn't fucking newspaper just cared about Toys R Us. <laughs> oh, here it is. Um, KB Toys Inc., which calls itself the world's largest mall-based toy chain, opened at 8 a.m. in the Lehigh Valley Mall, two hours before the mall's normal opening hours. One of its sister stores, KB Toy Works in Bethlehem, which is off 191, opened at 12.01 a.m. Monday. Oh, Lydia was my manager, Lydia Hutnick. There's been no, she loved me, and she fucking wanted me to, to not worry about school and just stay there forever. There was no shortage, said store manager Lydia Hutnick on Monday afternoon. We planned it perfectly. We opened at 8 and had another delivery of Star Wars toys this afternoon. It worked out well for us, and it did. We had so much. Because Monday is our regular delivery day. Hutnick said the early hours were useful for about 75 customers who packed the store about 10 a.m. She nearly doubled the store's staff to 7 on Monday. I was there. Um... Oh, that's great. I didn't even think to ever look for that. Aw, that's sweet. Lydia was great. She fucking, she was awesome. She's a great manager. Just think how, you know, you ever have that uh, second thoughts? What if I would have stayed in the toy business? <sighs> yeah, I know. I would probably... It, you'd still be working at the same company, only you'd be uh, washing live trucks instead now. <laughs> or, or... KB Toys would still be around. Mitt Romney would be bankrupt, and I would be the runner of Bain Capital. <laughs> you would have taken over the whole operation. Right. <laughs> Toys R Us would still be up and running, but a subsidiary, because you would have bought them out. Of course. Of course. Just for the name, of course. But that summer was fun. Um, I saw Phantom Menace like 100 times. Mm-hmm. Um I, we were really weirded out by the Jar Jar Binks lollipops. <laughs> the big <laughs> tongue came out of the opening jaws. Um, I think that might have been my first like midnight, like get in line for a midnight showing. Okay. I'm trying to think what would have come out before that where I would have been like, I need to see this. Yeah, nothing. I, and I First didn't. Thing. I didn't see. I didn't get in line for that because I just saw it from working. Um, yeah. Well, I you were there. Like <laughs> I was in line to go in. And we, you were weren't, we weren't. We weren't. The the booth was only set up for like four hours a day during the day. Okay, so you yeah. didn't, you weren't at the midnight. No, I wasn't at the midnight one show. But okay. I was like really still into wrestling back then too because WWF was fucking insane and like. Like our whole front section was Jack specific wrestling figures. It was crazy. Nice. Great year to work at KB. Fun times. Squeezer, your second pick. If the change of weight gets to the knot base, we might have a chance of getting them back. We can't let Kane get his hands on those pistols tonight. In the name of Kane! Ah, that brings you back, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I don't have to worry about running too many picks by you because you're not going to pick them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, direct sequel uh, to Command and Conquer, Command and Conquer, Tiberian Sun, uh, released in uh, August of 1999. And when when you think who is the coolest kid in Whitehall High School, Squeezer, and you know Squeezer can't wait to get his hands on a little. Uh, RTS futuristic uh, PC game. Yeah, uh, I am. I was the coolest kid in school because then I'd have all my strategy guides. Uh, either the Prima official one or the uh, the old uh, GameSpot guide that you can get. You know, and you just take that to school and you know, have it with you and you're studying up because, you know, you got to, like, you know, all these units have different, you know, skill sets and numbers and you have to you know it's a well-balanced real-time strategy game um you know you take the book uh to school with you or to you know uh a cave if you will if you were you know osama bin laden um that was one of the the uh GameSpot game guide for command and conquer tabir and son was one of the items documented uh that was in his compound when he was killed oh so yeah, I, I can't, you know, I, yeah, I can't hate on the guy. Fellow Command & Conquer player, I guess. Um, there you go. Guess, yeah. Uh, I wonder if, like, when I got, like, oh, man, oh, that's how you beat that level. Like, we have to go. You know? I don't know if they talk like that, but. Or, like, oh, they whisper because they have the little things. We have to go. It's like, yeah, but they found how to beat Nod. It's like we killed Osama bin Laden. We have to go now. All right, this ran its course. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it was dead before it started. That, no, it wasn't. It had it had legs, and but you know what? You you squeezered me. I you should have just unnecessarily laughed loudly to you know give me the confidence to carry on. But there was nothing there. <laughs> there you're when you're right, you're right. Yeah, I pull a um, you on you. <laughs> Uh, it takes place uh, in in the near future now. It's getting much nearer. It's like 2030, 2035 now. And there's uh, Tiberium, which is uh, some shit that falls from Earth. Basically, it looks like kryptonite uh, that falls to Earth. And ba- it's poison, but is also like power. So it's basically oil. Um, and you have to harvest it. Meanwhile, the bad guys, the Brotherhood of Nod, right. um, want to use it to convert everyone into uh, zombies and make the world a better place by melding the stuff with humanity and making them better. So you have the, the GDI, which is the generic UN good guys versus, I mean, clearly, like, you have like gold versus like a dark red. It's like they don't make it any more obvious. Um, but the gameplay was a lot of fun. Uh, the the balance was good between um, different factions. Like one thing affects another differently, and you know, if, if you know what the hell I'm talking about, you know I mean by game bouncing. Um, the hell's that? Brother. Oh no. Oh, thank God. Let's save us. Uh, Brother Squeezer, please uh, allow me to speak on this for a no, moment. Uh, Squeezer, you're talking about the devil's work in the devil's business, and I just have to stop you before you go any further. 
brothers and sisters and cross, listen to me, this devil game, there's a reason why Osama Bin Laden was playing it, because he was an instrument of not only God himself, but he ran that devil's cock into the side of the build. I don't know where I'm going. Whoa, <laughs> I thought I had a bit, but it got derailed. Please wow, send me $25. Well, if you don't, if you believe in my bid, just send me $25 and I will give it directly to the Lord. I cannot do this without you. Please take any money I have in your wallet and just send it directly to me, care of Osama. <laughs> what game are we talking about? <laughs> Jesus. I should write. Uh, Westwood Studios. I should write material other than just. Free it. I really uh, should. I, I feel like the Navy should take both our bits and out in the middle of the ocean, just dump it there so no one can see him ever again. That's called a, a sea burial squeezer. Yeah. Alright, well, I'm just gonna go, because I, I can feel this bit die. I tried to liven up your boring <laughs> description of a stupid video game. It's, it's a fucking brilliant video game. <laughs> Alright, bye everybody. Here, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put my music out too. Unless you still want me to go with it, I could just keep going. <laughs> it's lovely music. I like the music. I like the music. It's for prayer and soaking. Are you gonna ask me what soaking is? Um. Is it that thing? It's that for prayer and soaking. You wouldn't know, you devil worshiping heathen. When you're in God's hands, you're always soaking in your own juices. Wait, what? That's right, you heard me the first time. I said praise God and let him strike Squeezer down with a bolt of lightning, that devilish little glutton. Beautiful music. Alright, I must go, but you guys enjoy listening to the heathenistic portrayal of Squeezer's stupid video game. <laughs> Man, he need, he needs to learn how to use a megaphone for some. <laughs> well, you think you would just like you know get one of those fancy little uh, lav one of those little countryman lav mics, you know, that you can wear up on stage. Yeah, that'd be uh, much better. The cat wouldn't step on all the buttons so that when you turn it on, it does every fucking noise in the planet. <laughs> Police sirens going off. Jesus Christ. Um, it, it stars... Uh, it, so it was a big deal oh, because shit. it had like... Uh, I tried live, to derail you. <laughs> uh, full... <laughs> I thought we were going to come back and be like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. I'm going to go through all the FMV sequences. I'm the MacGyver, all the little cutscenes for this entire game. Great. Um, so for the bad guys, it stars the guy that directs all the live action sequences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, for the, um, uh, the good guys, they got the blind guy from... Um, uh, Sandlot, he's in it. Oh, Darth Vader. Yeah. I yeah, see you're uh, trying to be cute there. I was. Thank you. <laughs> the blind guy from Sandlot. Uh, and then uh, share, and then call back to Planet Terror. Uh, the main good guy that is basically your 
player character that you go through. Bruce uh, Willis? Sheriff Haig. No. Michael Bean. Oh. Sorry. Corporal Hicks. And the Navy SEAL guy that gets killed in the rock. Hmm. And the Navy SEAL guy from Navy SEALs. Welcome and to Navy the rock. SEAL guy from the Abyss. Your best. And Losers the, always sure want about Navy the best. And something else. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> Carla was the prom queen. I see. Pretty sure. Sh- <laughs> Pretty sure he was a Navy SEAL in Magnificent Seven too. The TV series. Um, but yeah, I loved. I absolutely adored this game. I spent a ton of time. Like, it, I got it the summer after I got back from working at my little summer camp gig. I spent all my all my hard earned money. The probably the fifty bucks that I earned working nine weeks, um, you know, to buy this. And it came on two CDs, which was fucking insane. Wow. Um. Yeah. What two. was it for? PlayStation. Uh, it was on PC. Mm. Yeah, I had the original Command and Conquer on PlayStation, and then every subsequent one that I bought: Tiberian Sun, then Firestorm, then Red Alert, Red Alert Two Generals. I, I all those I I played on PC. Okay, I like my RTSs. It's a good time, and now it was right after EA bought them, and then and then it started to get a little weird because you know EA kind of tends to ruin things. But uh, yes, Command and Conquer: Tiberian Sun set the the summer of '99. Uh, it was a great way to cap it off, and then it basically interfered and ruined all of my studies. I think that that's what it was. Like video games truly did take up all my time in my head when I was in school. Because when I was sitting there in class, I would just think of what I wanted to do, and like I was building levels in my head. Because you also had like you know, a map creator. Not much has changed. No. All right. I'll spare you the rest. I was going to go shot for shot and break down all the stats for individual uh, units, but I'm assuming you don't want to hear that. I mean, don't we all want to hear it? All right. So, <laughs> uh, for GDI, let's see, GDI factions, where are we at? I kind of didn't have this. Okay, we can move on. You're up. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, your turn. All right. Here is my next pick. Update for today. Which leads us to this blank square. There's been there's been a lot of speculation about this, a lot of rumors, and, uh, and I get to end them today. We're going to introduce our consumer portable machine. So, we've been working really hard on it, and uh, I hope you like it. So, we went to our customers. We went to our consumer and education. I love how I'm like, sitting here laughing at the, like, the cucks who just go fucking berserk at anything Steve Jobs says and they buy it and I, I'm basically looking at a mirror. <laughs> oh, God. The only difference, you just weren't there. That was it. I wasn't in 99. I wasn't there. I was, I was a year away from being a complete Mac cuck and I've not touched a windows computer and, and longer than like 10 minutes at a time in probably 21 plus years. Yeah, that's true. 
Only use Max. Only have. I think you're the same way, right? Um, yeah. Now, yeah, it's just fucking easier. I, I'm, I'm just when tired. When was your last the... Windows computer? Yeah, it's just too much work. One, no, I just when... want to turn it on and do what I need to do. When was your last Windows computer? Uh, I bought my MacBook Pro in 2006. All right, well, that's that's Seven. a long time ago. My uh, that old thing you used to bring over for the the podcast when we started. Yeah, now the battery exploded in it, so I ripped it out. So now it just sits there dead. It could still run off shore power mm. if I needed to, but the kids use it. They play like it's like their typewriter. They're like, they're like they like you know play it's their cash register. The current Mac yeah. I'm working on right now, Squeezer. Yeah, I got in December 2012. So it is going on 10 years old, and it still works. It's a little slow in places, and I did some behind the hood, under the hood work, I would say, but not much. Mm-hmm. They just last a long time. Yeah, and I've been using Macs for like two, 2001 was the last. I got rid of my my uh, Windows computer and went switched to Mac, and I have not looked back since. This is the iBook. I've never owned an iBook, but I loved the idea of it. Uh, you might remember it, the orange clamshell one that L. Woods bought and Legally Blonde. Of course. To show yeah, she I, was, now that you say it. To I'm show like, she was <laughs> changing her way and uh, uh, there was, uh, I don't even know what the fuck she was, that movie was so dumb. I just, uh, the only thing I remember from it is she bought a, 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 a Tangerine um, iBook G3 clamshell. There's Tangerine, Blueberry, uh, graphite, indigo, and key lime was exclusive to the Apple online store. Beautiful. Ooh. But you wanted the graphite one because that was the pro model that had the firewire in it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, they had PowerPC IBM processors in it. This is pre-Intel switchover. And anywhere from 32 to 64 megabytes of uh, PC100 SD RAM soldered onto the logic board. Yeah, 64 megabytes. <laughs> uh, the processors were 300 megahertz, power PCs, G3s, all the way to 466. Uh, they had, some had CD-ROMs, some had DVD-ROMs. There was an optional airport. That was the big thing with these, wireless internet. That's how new wireless internet. Now we like take it for granted, but Wi-Fi was not a, a normal thing back then. Yeah. Uh fuck my so I had uh an Inspirion was it eighty two hundred, I think. Okay. That was that was what I had at time. I bought that in two thousand two for college. Like I cashed in like I had all these bonds and shit like grandparents gave me and I dropped like two grand on this thing. And yeah, two big Ethernet ports on the side, massive fans. This thing weighed <laughs> fucking like 10 pounds and it was hot all oh, you can you couldn't have it on your lap Mm-mm. like it would burn you well this um this was a little different these were were pretty and um my first pretty about it the, the imac now you see the one on at the front desk and on dougie's desk that orange beautiful oh, slab so the one i'm working is 10 years old the one i had prior to that 
was from 2002 was my first iMac. It was the flat screen lampshade one. Beautiful mm-hmm. goddamn machine. Gorgeous machine. That was my first owned Mac. And that's what I started Final Cut Pro 3 on. Um, Not 3 on. three Version 3 on it. Uh, then there was the G- iMac G5s, which were 04 in the white like unibody. I think we still have some up in the classroom. Then they did like oh, that yeah, same yep. poly- polycarbonite 2006 Intel iMacs. And then the aluminum iMacs in 07, which were thicker than the, the uh, unibody iMac in 09. And then the slim iMac, which I'm working off right now in 2012. Then the Retina, which you're working off of in 2015. Mm-hmm. And now it's the M1 in 2021, which is... Yeah. And hey, this thing still... It, it, it's a little... It bogs down from time to time. I, I threw some RAM up. I got to clean it up a little bit, but... But this thing still does its job. It, it nowhere. I mean, it's lasted twice as long as any PC that I had beforehand. So yeah, I can't complain about. I it. I now had this ten years, longest I've ever had any computer in my life. Ten years, squeeze. This is ridiculous. Yeah, this thing's still kicking, and it's what I use every night. It's my main like media hub. I watch fucking everything on here. Anything I do for like I do like crewing and everything on this thing. Ten years old. Hi Mac. And it all the it all started with Steve Jobs coming back in '97, and doing launching the iMac original iMac in 1998, and then the iBook in '99. So, beautiful history, and I know that you people are claiming "fuck you, Apple fanboys." (laughs) We are here's Squeezers. Yeah. Next pick. Never heard this before? Uh, I might have. Oh, Let Forever Be by the Chemical Brothers. Again, another one of my safe picks. I don't have to worry about you stepping on. Uh, written by the Chemical Brothers and one Noel Gallagher. And oh, also Noel Gallagher, singing. Oasis. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, he was in a little band his brother for a while. Um, I don't know. That mo- song's good, but... Is it really this? Why? Why? Jesus is with us, Squeezer. I felt the devil with that chemical brothers sound. (laughs) All right, continue. (laughs) All right. Uh, that's when uh, Quit laughing at me, preaching the Lord, Squeezer. I'm gonna condemn you straight to hell. Oh, uh, I just, I just picture him getting knocked out by some drunk redneck at a. Only if he ties me up and has his way with me, in the name of Satan himself. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I like the music. It's called The Breaking 
It's an instrumental prayer worship and soaking sound. It, uh, is, is that what the actual... Hang on. Well, on my laptop <laughs> or I'd log in and check yeah, it out. <laughs> that's what the YouTube description says. I don't know what soaking songs are, but I'm sure it has something to do with weird baptisms. Oh, hang on. Uh, it might just be like... Can I Google soaking songs? Hmm. Oh. Soaking. Oh, it's more. I thought it would just be about. You know, like laying in a bathtub, but ah, who the hell knows? Um. What's all this crap popping up for now? Oh. Anyway. Uh, Let Forever Be. Chemical Brothers. Uh, Noel Gallagher. But the music video is what got my attention in 99. And there are some um, cool videos out then. And uh, I like this one because there's so much. I remember I seeing it, I'm like, how the hell? It's very trippy. And it's done uh, with a lot of practicals and a lot of camera tricks and a lot of clean, uh, for the time, clean edits and... Uh, um. It's just, it's a cool-looking video. And it was directed by Mike uh, Michael Gondry, who directed... If, Michel if Gondry. Like an awesome... Michel. What? Michel. Michel. Oh, yeah, he's French. Yeah. Um, Michel Gondry. Thank you. Um, if he directed... If there's an awesome music video, he directed it. It was directed by Michael Gondry. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> All right. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that there was directed uh, by Michael Gondre. When he's over here, when he's working in the States, he's Michael. All right. <laughs> uh, he, he won an Academy Award for um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He yes. eventually went on to uh, make. Uh, I, I love that damn movie. Um. And you you see if you saw that you know what his videos look like. And it's almost like he used this as like a test run for uh, something like that. He also did uh, he directed ever the video for Everlong. Yes. Um, the reason I knew video... his name, Squeezer. Oh, but I figured. Thank you. Oh, it, you mean Michael? Michel Gondre. No, no, it's Michael. Do, do, do. We're, we're in America. Um, uh, if, if there was any music video that came off of like the white blood cells album, white stripes album, he directed all those, like it was tons of, oh, and he did that great, uh, Paul McCartney fucking ukulele video too. Um, and then he, he produced, the last thing I saw him do was, remember kidding? I think it was a Jim Carrey series. Oh yeah, a couple he years kind he of, was he like kind of got uh, put in Hollywood jail after the Green Hornet with uh, Seth Rogen. Oh, was that his? Yeah, Be Kind Rewind didn't do too well either. Uh, like Eternal Sunshine did great. Um, yeah. Oh, he did. But what he had the a producer hell happened? on that. To, like he had like he an, did Science uh... of Sleep, which was people are like, eh, okay, it was a it was a foreign film. But then he yeah, came no to one, America and he did he Be Kind Rewind with that. where most Def and Jack Black were like sweeting the movies for the the rental shop. Remember that? Yeah. And it turned out the trailers were way better than the movie. 
And yep. then he did uh, The Green Hornet, which was in turnaround so many times. I can't believe anyone made it. And then the yeah, version, I, I forgot that that version he made. That, Seth I didn't Rogen realize he did that. Fucking no. trash. Yeah. And then he made a couple of movies no one cared about. And well, uh, there you. I think he went back and made a couple of French films. Yeah, they were all French produced movies. He his last American movie was The Green Hornet. Poof, man. I mean, I, I don't know. Is that his fault though? Like that's one of those things where you see like probably there's so many hands in the. No, it was it was okay. The Green Hornet wasn't his fault, but Be Kind Rewind was his fault. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, and look, sometimes and I'm not like he 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 had a vision for uh, Eternal Sunshine, and it and it worked. Well, he also had a producer on that show. Sure. I'm sorry that movie. Um. But you know, sometimes some people and like Charlie work Kaufman better. Wrote it too. Like so, sometimes three to four to five minutes is a better format for individuals. Well, to be fair, Charlie yeah. Kaufman was writing the best stuff of his life, starting in '99 with being John Malkovich. Mm, fair enough. True. And an adaptation yeah. with Nicolas Cage, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and then Eternal Sunshine, and then he did Synecdoche, New York, which he directed. And his career was over. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once you get put in movie jail, unless you find a way to get out. And he tried Anamalisa, which was fucking awful. And then he tried I'm Thinking of Ending Things again, which no one cared about. And he remains in movie Hollywood jail. And and that movie jail in in a sense of People, I, I like how if if you just if you lose money. You go to real movie jail, never going to recover movie jail. If you horrifically assault a person. Right. It's not, lose, on the it's not lose money. It's it's like yeah. you like losing money is one thing. But if, if like people go to see it, it doesn't matter. But like he had so much street cred from being John Malkovich. Um, and then even adaptation like people like that Nick Cage movie. That, mm-hmm. that like meta movie where he was playing himself, uh, and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, the whole um, Sam Rockwell of the game show host Chuck Barris, where he was a CIA agent, the Gong Show. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and then they they thought him well enough to do Synecdoche, New York, and uh, directing and writing his own and producing his own picture. You give them too much power, and they're not ready for it, and they just set them up to fail. It's a problem. They're like, you're ready to do it, and he, he's got confident they could do it because he had so many hits. But no, it takes. it's not a one man who does most of these pictures. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a collaborative. Oh, yeah. Effort. If you look at Synecdoche, if you look at it, it's, it's garbage. like uh, on IMDb, the little like blurb on the info graphic on the side like with all your, your, your names. Mm-hmm. Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Kaufman, Charlie Kaufman. So yeah, it all comes down on him. That's what I just said. Yeah, I know. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> okay. I'm 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 applying a visual to it. No, oh, a uh, visual on yeah. a podcast. Great. I, I'm. They they can. I'm painting a picture, Ryan. <laughs> it's theater of the mind. Yes. Anyway, you were uh, saying about Michel Gondry. 
Yeah, yeah, and he directed uh, Let Forever Be. And the initial uh, thought was that they wanted to do something kind of like trippy, like almost like not necessarily a, a, a homage per se, but basically like they're like, hey, let's just do a cool uh, like psychedelic looking video. And rather than and and using some of the older techniques, but rather than doing like the traditional like uh uh like feedback loop kind of stuff that was very common in like the sixties and seventies, especially in the seventies and all that. Like it was much cleaner, and he did it with choreography. And if you look like his video, the music video that he did for um uh, Gary Jewell's uh, Mad World, which is a single camera. Uh, single take choreographed uh video where like they're down on the sidewalk making like fish and dogs and shit and dancing. Um, they they kind of did it in the same vein with a lot of like dancing and practical effects and a big um like uh synchronized fifties style like over the top. Well, his uh, best music video, in my opinion, is "Fell in Love with a Girl" by the White Stripes. Um, the Lego stop motion animation video. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. That is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't. Th- I think he directed every video for them that. Off of white, if I'm correct, Hot I think if there was a video button. off of White Blood Cells. He. He directed it. He did. Uh, my favorite ones of his. We're obviously around the world by Daft Punk, uh, Knives Out, Radiohead, uh, um, of course, um, fell in love with a girl, uh, Ride by the Vine. The Vines. There was like he was doing videos in the early two thousands that if you had a video by Michel Gondry, you were a fucking superstar, even though you didn't mm-hmm. have another single hit. Um, and the uh. uh he always did Bjork, but I I didn't really know like how good he was till he worked with Flood of the Concords, quite frankly. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's not like back then I knew like, oh yeah, this is Michel Gondre. Like I no, I'm like all I knew was this is really cool and I like this. Well, Squeezer, and at the time the I was in film school. I don't know if you can see me, but my fingers. You up were in, in the film air. school in nineteen ninety nine? No, but <laughs> The, the the ones I just talked about, I was in film school at the time. Okay, fair enough. And I oh, and, so and in nineteen ninety nine Squeezer, I was the kid who wanted to go to film school. So I was essentially worse than a kid in film school. Oh God, you were the fucking uh what the hell is the I was awful. I was sitting with Joe Orkin going over a hundred bullets comic book talking about how I would shoot it and what directors oh. and what actors. Oh, that's almost worse than me watching a football game with the wife and telling her why they. It's a, it's almost worse that. than you telling Jake how you'd shoot a Phillies game and somehow creeping out a girl sitting next to you that she has to switch seats <laughs> with her boyfriend. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> All right, shall we yeah. move on? We got to come up with a different word. Do we, for what? Or do you know what? Why should we have to change for them? Yeah, right. From now on, <laughs> we're creeps. From now on, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go film up that strip mall. Right. All exactly. Right? Yeah. Don't make us change our terminology. Fucking a. Yeah. 
Fuck you shooting people. I'm Anthony Soprano. Got a big family. Got my wife and kids. What do you think Dad does for a living? Waste management. You're so naive. I got my other family. This is Scarface, final scene. Say hello to my little friend. They're all driving me slowly insane. Your boys were warned. I'm married. I think if one family doesn't kill me, oh my God. the other family will. The Sopranos, a new series from HBO, coming soon. So, uh, I was like, I remember the night my dad and I found The Sopranos. So the show premiered in January of 99, Squeezer. Mm-hmm. But it ended in April of 99. So you're like, why is this summer of 99? Well, they did an encore presentation where they'd air it like multiple nights multiple times, multiple episodes of the 13-episode season during um, the uh, summer. I'm sorry. I just fucking blanked out. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, what the hell was I talking about? So I was like, I remember that night my dad and I were like, what's Oz? Because Oz was coming back on television and we didn't watch it. Oh, boy. So I found out what it was and I'm like, oh, that's right. We were watching Caddyshack 2 on Cinemax. I found the listing. It was July 14th, 1999, the day my dad and I discovered Sopranos. And the episode was Pax Soprano. (laughs) And um, it's Tony Relentz and Let's Uncle Junior become... Hold on. I got to give Sopranos more credit than just reading the newspaper. So the first season might be the best season ever. It's so good. Uh, I love the show and my dad loved the show and we were like this is our new show we're watching together he was in the middle of like him and my mom would get like divorced in like two years from now so things were not on good ground and he was he we would always like me Chris and him would always retreat to the first floor the lower floor we had like a split level so okay you, you took like there was no basement but like there was the first floor and then you took steps to go up to the door. The door took you on the middle between the first and the second floor. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I got you. So we would retreat downstairs constantly to stay away from my crazy mom and my sister. Uh, and my dad and I uh, would watch. We Obviously, Caddyshack 2 is on Cinemax. You know Jeffrey and Ryan are going to watch that shit. Ryan, the Caddyshack 2 is on. You want to watch? Fuck yeah, I want to watch. Um, so season one, hold on, let me fucking find it. Pack Soprano. I just want to tell you about the episode we watched and why I fucking immediately loved it. You get it. So it's uncle junior is, is finally appointed the boss of the male crime family. Tony engineers a way to get junior at, to extend some leniency towards a close Jewish friend. Hash Carmela and Tony's 18th anniversary dinner turns sour the Prozac doctor, Melfi, prescribes Tony begins taking a negative toll on his libido, though his recurring dreams lead him to become attracted to her. This is Pax Soprana, episode six of season one. Uh, Mikey Palmi starts the episode by beating up uh, a card game that was protected by Jimmy Altieri, who winds up being a rat. Spoilers. Mikey says Junior Soprano's the new boss, and he ain't respecting old arrangements. Uh, do you do you remember this episode? 
I mean, Junior's being fitted for the suit, and the tailor's like, my, he's all upset, and he's like, why are you upset? And he's like, my 14-year-old son, Junior, he committed suicide after being taken drugs. So Junior has Mikey Palmese kill Rusty Irish, but he's Larry Boy's Parisi's top earner. So every, mm-hmm. like Junior's pissing everyone off. Um, and Livia's trying to, like, piss off Tony because he put him in a, she put, he put her in the home. So he tells Junior that Hesh should pay a toll because my husband always listened to that Jewish man. <laughs> so Hesh goes to Tony, who and who goes to Junior uh, Johnny Sack uh, in New York, and they negotiate with Junior to like, you know, make Hesh's demands less tribute. And ho- Tony's having issues with the libido because of his medication. Carmela's pissed. And so is Arena, his mistress. But he's getting all erotic dreamed about Dr. Melfi. And he thinks he's in love with her and he tries to kiss her. And her car is stolen. And it's returned with a new starter. Like He, he like has one of his guys steal her car because she was having issues with it and fix it. Uh, and then they have like their big banquet at the end. And the waiters all have like button cameras. And take photos for the FBI and shows that Junior's the boss, which is what Tony wanted. But Jeffrey and I are watching this (laughs) and we're like, this is the greatest show. So, I mean. That was a good one to drop in on. Yeah, right? And then, like, they just, like, re-air it, like, every two nights uh, on HBO. And that night there was, like, the worst witch was. And then Arliss. We'd watch Arliss every once in a while. And my dad liked Sex in the City, and I wasn't really into it. But I'd sit there with him while he watched it. And then Aww. Pac Soprano, and then Oz, we fucking tuned out after that. But like, I wanted to stay around because McFarlane's Spawn would always replay. Okay. Uh, the animated version? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was on HBO. I forgot that was HBO. Yeah, it was HBO. But we always tuned to... I, I, I can tell you exactly what we tuned to when Oz came on. We went down to Comedy Central to watch South Park and The Man Show. Mm. And he was, my dad was laughing hysterically through oh, both. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah, both yeah. episodes from 10 to 10. And 11 o'clock rolled around. And um, we went down, back down to McFarlane Spawn. And that's when he went to bed. And then I have obviously stayed up all night. <laughs> But like I, I was so excited when I found the exact now. I was like, I knew it was the premiere of Oz. So if I could find that, and I Googled it, and I found it. And I'm like, I know exactly what we watched that night. I know we watched Caddyshack 2 on Cinemax, waiting for something to come on. And then we watched Arliss and Sex in the City. And then Sopranos came on. And we just say, oh, well, let's watch it. And we were like both hooked immediately. And then our only goal every day was to look up when, cause it wasn't like you go on the internet. You had to like get the fucking TV guide and find out when the next episode of <laughs> <laughs> Sopranos is coming on. So yeah, that's when Jeffrey and I got hooked on Sopranos. Nice. But the, and the DVD of season one didn't come out till December of the year, the 2000, the year following. Yeah, well, so, that's how I found it. I eventually got it, and it was like 2001, 2002, where I, I, I binge-watched it on DVD with Netflix. Well, we never were able to really watch them all in order till then. Mm. 
we just like piecemeal them as best we can until season two came out. And then I would go to that, uh, you know, that, that pizza place by the Kmart and t- at Tillman there. Yeah. Yeah. I would go there and get a Stromboli for myself and then sit there in my bed in my bedroom and eat a Stromboli um, <laughs> while watching The Sopranos. We always, my dad and I was always joke. We wanted, it makes you want to eat pasta. Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. The, like the the eating scenes. But yeah, that was uh, Jeffrey. Because you believe he watched The Man Show and uh, um, South Park with me? Oh, my God. Of course. Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world. Oh, yeah, that's... great. That's great. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. We went, that would have we... been like, that would have been like, what, like season season three of South Park, I think? Two or three, yeah. It was right after the movie. Well, if that, no, that would have been, I think, season three. Might have been even season four. If it was, like, the fall. Uh, it gets weird, like, you know, because their seasons were all over the place, but. It's just a Wednesday night, and we were watching Caddyshack 2, and he wanted to watch Sex and the City. We watched Arliss. Uh, and we always, Arliss was always, like, a show we'd always watch. And it was good, but we just watch, you know, catch it. And then we're like, oh, Sopranos. You want to watch it? Okay. And we're like, this is fucking awesome. And no one wanted to watch Oz. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, I want to wait. I went from McFarland Spawn. You want to watch uh, South Park with me? Oh, yeah, that's true. So. Uh, this was this was pretty like guide on television too, everybody. She's just flipped around to find something i was like oh it's tense. trust your newspaper the, you, you the knew book that came with it 10 o'clock on a weeknight south park was on so yeah yeah it was like they taught you they didn't change time slots often because they wanted you to learn mm-hmm. and we found caddyshack completely by happenstance and and that's what ruined capital critters that's true here is squeezers next how sweet it is to be loved by you. American Pie is not just another teen comedy. Just ask Rolling Stone. They're calling it the most hilarious exhibition of sexual confusion since The Graduate. Huh? It's not what it looks like. Woo-hoo! It's rolling the aisles funny. You won't laugh more all summer. I, I think he's trying to watch some illegal channel. This is just a bad reception, honey. <sighs> oh, baby. What's that? American Pie, rated R, starts Friday at theaters everywhere. American Pie. Uh, American Pie. Um, Did you so get yeah. lost there? What's that? What happened there? What? Your... Oh, I, I, I was. I wanted to make sure my mic was open. Ah. Yeah. I'm here. I think everyone our age saw this in the theater with their friends. You had to. I don't even remember the kid's name that I saw it with. I, I saw it with a big group of friends. Steve. We saw it at the Tillman Eight. And it was on my birthday, July. It came out July 9th, nineteen ninety nine, and that's when we all went to see it on my birthday. My mom's like, um, "You're not staying home with us for your birthday." I'm like, "No, we're going to see a fucking raunchy goddamn movie, mom." <laughs> and that's when, like, and we weren't old enough to get in there either. But like, they didn't care back then. No. Uh... I'm trying to think of what movie theater the hell I would have gone to up there. So 
in 99, I had my pager my last... and my friend. Pay- I remember being outside and calling from the payphone outside of Tillman A to my friend to let him know we we're about to go in to see American Pie. Nice. That's 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 a sign of the that's, times right there. Yeah. Uh, it was my last summer working full time at the summer camp I worked. I went back the next year for one week to fill in because uh, one of the directors quit at the handicraft thing. So I went in and I taught like wood carving for a week. But uh, I was working, uh, they called it scout craft. And it was like the place where you would go to tie knots and cook and cut shit. It was like the, the shit that you think of when you think of Boy Scout camp. And that's where I worked. Then it was like, there was four or five of us that worked there. And believe it or not, I was in charge of uh, the cooking merit badge. And one of them was you had to wake up early and go down there and cook breakfast. Well, on the morning of July 22nd, you know, a little squeezer's birthday, uh, I was supposed to wake up and get about 30 kids or so down there uh, and teach them how to cook breakfast. Apparently, you can't fucking figure it out on their own, so I have to teach them. And my alarm is going off, and there's a certain alarm that I can't hear anymore because it gives me nightmares. Um, I overslept, and I wake up. I realize it's light out. The alarm's going off. I burst out of my tent. I look to my left. Tent's open, and I see the my director, who's only like two years older than me. You know, he's, he's like 17, 18, maybe, and he's just sitting there, and I still fucking see a stupid fucking redhead sitting there with his hands behind his looking at me just shaking his head I'm like fuck you dick hmm. so anyway I run down and I'm like oh shit and there's like 40 kids stand there and I'm like an hour later I don't know how long late I was but um, they probably made a bigger deal out of it so I make up some bullshit excuse why we can't do it you know right now and uh, I go in and tell the cook, hey, uh, all these kids, uh, they're going to be eating breakfast anyway. So he's all pissed at me because now he has to make breakfast for like another 50 people. And we got to reschedule the cooking. So we're going to make dinner. I'm like, motherfucker. So now I'm stuck making dinner with these kids on my birthday. So we're down there. The whole staff's on site. All these kids are cooking. And I'm being a mopey bitch because I'm a squeezer. And... Finally, like my friends, because like we were all from the same uh, troop except for this one kid, Steve Scott, Sam, I don't know what the hell his name is. But they're like, oh man, Squeezers, you know, it's his birthday. I'm like, oh really? And then he started to feel bad that it was my birthday and he was being a dick to me because he could have woken me up and helped, but he didn't. It's like, oh, he just wants to go out to the movies and see American. There's a long way to get the fucking American Pie and seeing some boobies. Yeah, right. But I, anyway, I what the fuck you were talking about? Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah. Sorry, we're getting there. Uh, so he lets me go. Yeah, it's very uninteresting story. <laughs> and me and this kid who I don't, I can't for the life of me remember what his name is. I mean, it was fucking twenty four, twenty five years ago. Um, but he had a Suzuki Samurai. Ugh. Um, it's like uh, it's the kind of jeep you had. It was a um, was a Geo Prism, no Geo what Geo Tracker yeah. Tracker Geo Tracker yeah, roughly yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it was the same exact car. Well, it was a Samurai. Is it? 
Yeah. Yep. The Suzuki was made. Suzuki was making Fords at the time, and it was. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a Ford. I'm thinking. I don't know. I don't know. Keep going. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Now I got. Now you're making. No, it was definitely. Uh, yeah. Trust your trust. Don't make the show any longer. No, trust no. Your, we should. We should definitely go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> trust your senses. Um. It was Suzuki. It's it's roughly a little. It's smaller than the Jeep and just slightly bigger than Matchbox car. Little, we actually little, fucked little, around with it. Like you could actually just flip. One person could just flip it on its side. Um, and we we drove that to the movies, and we went, and he and I uh, saw American Pie together. Wow, isn't that a great story? Great. Right? Do you want to watch um, Sopranos on our twenty-six inch TV? That that was a thing. <laughs> really? Oh man. TV. Yeah, he was impressed with that size. That was a big size back then. That was. It was because and it weighed about four thousand pounds. <laughs> um, I secretly tossed a tube TV lately because it's been sitting around forever. Hope you demolished it with a bat. Ah, uh, no, I just wrapped it in a couple bags and threw it in the trash so you don't find it. <laughs> um, do you have anything else? <laughs> we we're going two hours on the show. Really? Yeah. Already? Yeah. No. Um, no, it, it was look at. I, I, if you're listening to this show, you probably saw American Pie. You probably saw it in theaters. And, he fucks the pie. Um, he fucks the pie. Girls getting and naked. and 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 there's boobies. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, do you do you want me to graphically recreate you know my reaction to the Shannon Elizabeth scene? No, because it's a family show. Here's my last um, pick. I figured it fit because the Shannon Elizabeth scene had these characters in it. Nice. Man, I I love this music video. Making fun of all the boy band squeezer, don't you? Uh, yeah. I love that Shannon Elizabeth scene too. <laughs> Man, was she the hottest thing on the planet? And then like two years oh. later. She ruined her career by star- starring in a little movie called Jan Sonnenbaum Strike Back. <laughs> Is that what did it? Uh, I don't know, but it... She she blames the, the fact that she went and did Playboy and that kind of ruined it for her and typecast her. Uh, I don't know. But this band is in American Pie. Blink-182. I became aware of them about a year earlier when someone gave me a copy of Dude Ranch. And I became obsessed with Dude Ranch and listened to Dude Ranch constantly and was like, what is this pop punk you're giving me? <laughs> now, not knowing that's what it was at the time. Uh, and I remember Joe Orkin picked me up from KB and we went to Best Buy across the street. This is like my fifth Joe Orkin mention. Him and I hung out a lot in this time. Uh, we, we probably smoked like four bowls worth of weed between KB and Best Buy, which are right across the street. To get our copy of Anima of the State, Squeezer. Mm-hmm. And not only did we listen to it all summer, but all that school year, too. I mixed in with the, the Limp Biscuit album and uh, Californication was another big one. Yeah. Around this time. Um, but this uh, this album was like... that. And, this and Californication and Limp Bizkit's, uh What was it? What was that album called? I'm Together Now or whatever the fuck it was? No, that was a song. 
that whatever the Limp Bizkit album, like those were like defining for the summer of '99. Mainly this and Californication, because I still listen to those two. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Blink One Eighty Two, and like I hated fucking boy band Squeezer. I fucking hated them. I still do. Of course. But like them making like their music videos, making fun of them, and like you felt so cool. Like oh, these are they were like no muscles, like skinny dweebs, uh, who are ugly, and like that's us. Like they're us. Yeah. Well, skinny, but I was ugly. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. So fucking a Blink One Eighty Two, Adam in the State. I still love Blink One Eighty Two to fucking death to this day. In all its forms. And one of the coolest moments in my work life is I was doing video for a Blink show with Tom. And I went to piss and I was walking back. And Mark Hoppus was twirling a drumstick, humming the refrain to feeling this. And he goes, what's up, dude? And I just had my head down and go, hey. And I just walked. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. That was so fucking cool. That was my last pick. Squeezer, your last pick. Showing that we don't even need to do this last pick. <laughs> well, my the coolest moment of my life. <laughs> just <laughs> saying hey. Well, you know how it is. You can't. You can't. Oh, I. You can't. Yeah, you can't be like. Oh my god. You can't do anything. You just, just all you can yeah, do is yeah. not like look at the yeah. floor and say hey, and that's all I did. And I was yeah, like, you can't just go. Oh my god, it's Mace Windu. Like it would. Yeah, I know, right? It would have been even cooler <laughs> if he didn't even acknowledge me at all. If I was just there for that moment, watching him spin his fucking drumstick and hum the refrain to. Uh, feeling this, but the fact that he said, Hey, man, and I was like, Hey, and you know, that was cool. Here's your aspect. Hi, uh, Jay. Didn't even look up, Squeezer. Didn't make eye contact at all. Oh, that's that, that's professional. That's cool. You know, and oh, you know, he's probably still thinking, like, Man, I said hi to this guy. He didn't even fucking care. Cause no, I bet he did. He's no, I'm what? saying, I'm saying, he was cool thinking, was I didn't care. Like, that's what, like. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mark, that was today. one of the most like important moments of my life. And you might think I didn't care, but I just had to play it cool because that's how you be a pro, man. That's how you, in this, you wear all black and you just don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> Here is Squeezer's last pick. My name is Paul Heyman, and I'm the executive producer and the owner of Extreme Championship Wrestling. And since this show apparently is going to make air this week, I'd like to take this moment to thank you for watching ECW. You have to be an ECW fan to watch this show because God knows the network has never put out one freaking commercial or one press release to let you know that we're here. But that's their scheme of things. That's their scheme see, of things. In just a few see? weeks, the network is going to give $100 million to Vince McMahon like he needs it to replace us. Meanwhile, Vince McMahon's giving him $100,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, we're not a publicly funded it's company. Just having like him develop talent. For WCW. Vince McMahon, sir, please give me another $100,000 so we can keep our show on TNN, sir. Yeah, so this rant actually comes uh, from the future uh, in uh, the fall of 2000, right before they got uh, booted off TNN and uh, Raw took over. Uh, Paul claims that they never really had any interest or intention of ECW being on TNN. They just wanted to dip their toes and see if wrestling would work and uh, before they brought in Raw. And uh, uh, Vince McMahon orchestrated the entire thing. Yeah, of course he did. Goddamn, yeah. pal. I want you to be on TNN. See if people watch it. 
pull our spot for us. God damn! Ha ha! And look, look, you're going under in like a year anyway. You're gonna have a gig, don't worry. And all your guys will be. He was care. already at this point working for fucking WWF. Yeah. Um, he's not paying yeah. any of his wrestlers, but he's drawing a salary from Vince. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy knows how to cut a promo, though. Yes, sir. Allow me to say to that in 20 years, the WWF publicly funded would pay $100,000, or if I volley even more. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anywho, what he's bitching about is ECW Wrestling on TNN, which debuted August 27th, 1999. Um, this was huge for me i was so oh excited me too but the show sucked oh the show did suck it was, was one fucking, match i was so fucking pissed off that was show was off when you said this i'm like i'm not talking about this it's i was so <laughs> ready to be like what are you talking about this suck i was so pissed off i'm like this is an easy fucking w this is fucking garbage yeah well it was yeah it was watered down you got one match of rvd versus jerry lynn which we'd seen a thousand times, times. And What's I just up? spent, like, the four months prior to that going to four ECW matches at Ag Hall that were fucking amazing. Ah, uh, Yeah, and I mean, I got back to I'd rather... I'd rather go back to watching I w- honestly, ECW 48. I honestly would TV. say ECW on TNN was the start of the end, uh, the downfall of, TN, of our ECW. Yeah. I would be working yeah, it, for the it, network. It, it, it watered down... It, it, it changed the product. Right. I was working for that network in three years from this, but it was known at that time as Spike TV. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, this goes back. This is still the, it was still the Nashville network at the time. Then it became the you, Nashville you know what? network. It wasn't that it was like three or four years later and WWF was already gone. It was back on USA at the point, And I was doing promos for TNA on on uh on uh Spike TV and I did all the the shit for the Ultimate Fighter. Hmm. And I did all the interstitials for the Three Stooges on Spike TV. Oh, really? I oh, I watch I watched your interstitials. You then did. For you three watched Stooges. them all. I did them all. Yeah, I like my Three Stooges. Um yeah, the this show was not good cuz then they would bitch from like they didn't really want ECW. They just wanted some wrestling on and basically, the hold the place till Vince had things in line to put Raw on. Um, they well, he was in a fight with USA for money, and he was like, hold it, because that's where I'll go. And they went there, mm-hmm. and he, then USA came calling back, and he went back to USA. Yeah. That seemed and longer than it was, but I guess it wasn't that long. It's like 13 months. No, I mean, like, WWE oh, oh that there was on. On Spike, on TNN and Spike, yeah. On TNN, um, hmm. I don't know when it switched back. When did it switch back over? Then I'm looking now. You could keep talking. I'll... Okay. So it was um, January 1993 to 97. Um. What the fuck?
It says it was 93 to 97 in the USA and then 97 to 2000 on Spike TNN Spike TV. But that's not right. No, that's not right at all. Never mind. <laughs> hmm. No, that's the time. I'm getting the time slots wrong. So it was, it was 93 to 2000 on USA, and then 2000 to 2005 on Spike TV, and then 2000 to present, 2005 to present on USA again. I was looking at the chart wrong. Hmm. So it was in September 2000 that it went to. Um, Spike TV. I remember because I was in college already. And they had the big TNN sign underneath the Raw logo when the people came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The National Network. Ugh. Oh, there's so much rebranding done. It was They changed it from the Nashville Network to the National Network. Yeah. Oh, and they had like the little American flag logo. Yeah. But this was the TNN with like T and and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some decent matches here or there, but uh, I don't know. I always liked hardcore TV better, of course. But it, it, I remember show. the hype and the excitement, and like finally, like it's like it, it's like everyone else is finally gonna get to see what you were talking about. Like this is wrestling, and then. Then that's what. Yeah, the first show sucked ass. Yeah. And the production value was awful. Yeah, well, ECW was much better live in person. Yeah. And well, there's like no budget. Yeah. And but you didn't need a budget, like (coughs) for a show like that, you didn't need a. Well, and they also had to neuter themselves with all the theme songs and everything because they were finally on Spike TV. When they're on that, that syndicated show, you heard all the theme songs and shit. Yeah. Um. Oh, and that, that was the worst. And when guys started coming over and they would just give them some generic fucking But also, like, track. Sandman coming out to something that wasn't fucking Enter Sandman. It fucking yeah, sucked. Yeah, it just killed the vibe. Yeah. Or that's why it's hard for me to even go back and rewatch old stuff. Because, like, you're yeah, waiting they for took that it all music out. cue. Yeah. And they have to, like, dub over it. And you're like, oh, God, this it's just weird. It's not the same. Not the same. No. But yeah, uh, TNN. Anything else you gonna say about that shitty show? Uh, I mean, it wasn't. I hated it. It still had some, couple, some good matches. Huh? I thought that was the downfall of ECW in my mind. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the beginning. It was a big. It was like a big handful of nails in that coffin. Mm. Well, that was a fun summer squeeze. That was, it was a. It was an awesome summer. Yeah, I I remember loving it. Uh, what do we? We're back to non-summer programming next week. Back to school shopping is our Ooh, topic fun. next week. Um, we're talking like what things we got. Back to school shopping, and then we'll have a few shows before we start a Halloween shows. And summer's fucking dead and over, just like ECW was when it went on TNN. Ooh, ow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was we over two hours, Squeezer. Holy shit! I was not sure I would have it in me tonight. Oh, well, all that pasta and movies and shopping at the Spirit Halloween. Shopping, yeah. 
It did it to me. It reinvigorated me. Nice. We'll be back next week uh, talking some crazy shit. Shit that is a few weeks off topic like we normally do. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk to you on next week. Well, week's. sometimes you got to get school to start before you go for your back to school shopping. So, you know, you know. You, you got to wait for the discounts, need. just like Mama Squeezer did. Yep. I, we just, my parents just bought at the shit store, so it was, everything was always discounted at Kmart. <laughs> we'll be back next week. I'm RK. And I'm Squeezer. See you, everybody. <laughs>